Yeah, okay. Okay, John chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. Really, 31 technically is the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. We're probably going to spend a couple of weeks there. Very valuable, without a doubt, and it is part of the Gospel. But it's, uh, John achieved his purpose in verse 31. Uh, chapter 31 would be an epilogue of source and so of sort. And so, verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, this is when Thomas desired to look at the wounds of, the love, the wounds of love of the Lord. It's, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, or the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Belief is mentioned three times there and many times in the Gospel of John. Now, last week we closed our study out. We saw the blessings that come from believing. I just read that in verse 29. Again, the last part. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, I'll be looking at different blessings in the midst of the study that we receive from the Lord. But when it comes to blessings, there's two general dynamics to what they are. First, there are blessings from God to us. God blesses man by doing well for him. He's blessed us with salvation, and he's blessed us with every day of our lives. Matter of fact, if you examine your life, if you're a born-again believer here tonight, you would know and you would understand that God is moving, and in, in, in not just in this broad way, but God is moving in the details of your life. He's moving in ways that maybe you're not even aware of or conscious of, but nonetheless, God moves in all of the minor details of our lives. We can so look for him in the big things, but I have to understand it's got to be everything. It's all for Jesus. Then there is us blessing God, which is a result of him blessing us. But man blessing God is us speaking well of God. God is blessed by you as you share the gospel. God is blessed by you as you speak God's word. As you do God's work, it blesses the heart of the Lord. And so... What is the key that unlocks the doors of blessings? Well, John's been very adamant throughout the, the, I'm sorry, the gospel. It's believing, believing in him through his word with the expectation of receiving what is offered. If you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Apostle Paul expanding on this concept that John has presented throughout this gospel so that we would know, so that we would believe. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he is God, and that he is our God, and that God moves and works in our lives. I must believe this. I must come to that understanding of who God is and how God works in my life. And so there's the day of salvation. Obviously, belief is essential for that. But then there's going to be every single day of my life. I have to keep on believing, not just even so much that Jesus is Lord, but God thinks of me and God moves and God acts in my life. Now, very early in our study of the Gospel of John, we saw what it meant to believe. So this process, 
What does it mean to believe something? Well, to believe something, first you have to hear of the concept. And so if I wanted to bring you to the point of belief, I would have to present you the concept. So if I'm going to try and present the concept and get you to believe in creation, I'm going to present Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to look at Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to speak of how God has moved. And I'm going to then present evidence. Because if it's just something completely unreasonable, you're not going to believe it. But as far as creation, really there's only two main pathways, and that's evolution and creation. And I need, if creation is true, I need to show and to display to you how creation prevails over the belief of evolution. And so belief comes when that which is contrary to the presented concept is dealt with. I would show you how it's impossible to have millions and millions of years. I will show you how some of those proofs that they present really can be accomplished in a short period of time. And we can go all the way down the list. I would go from the positive as well. I would speak of the existence of God. I would speak how he has moved in my life and how he's become real in my life at the point of belief. And I would speak of the changed life of the believer because that continues to minister to me daily, every morning as I look in the mirror, but also as I examine the lives or just observe the lives of other born-again believers. What is it that could truly change a life to the degree that our lives have been changed? Well, that just speaks of the reality of God. And then there is that leap of faith. As we pointed out, as we've been going through this gospel, every belief that we have, there is a required leap of faith. Now, I've been vocal about Terry is my wife. Most of you just believe that. I mean, I haven't had anybody here that ever asked for proof. You see us together a lot. Um, I've got pictures in my office of two young people that kind of look like us that are on the wedding day and, and, and all of that. So, you know, there wasn't a, this big gulf. There wasn't this big leap of faith that is necessary. Matter of fact, if you still had doubts, I could pr- produce a marriage license, and, and that would go a long way towards producing that, or uh, for you believing that. But even if you still wouldn't believe at some point, you don't always get all the information. At some point, you're just going to have to believe. The kids, my children, and even really my grandchildren, are they really mine? Or did I just kind of find them somewhere? Well, you would examine the evidence. Is this unreasonable? Well, they kind of look like him. There's a resemblance there. They call him dad, and they've never refuted that. And so you would examine all the evidence, and you'd probably be willing to take that leap of faith. How about if somebody is a Christian? I don't really take that so much on face value anymore. I usually don't even ask people if they're a Christian. I'll ask them, are you born again? And then I'll, I'll, I'll kind of dig a little deeper if it's necessary for me to know what was the day of your salvation? When was that time when Jesus Christ changed your life? And then I'll, I'll take that, you know, give me halfway decent answers. I'll take that leap of faith unless you prove otherwise. And so this is what John is doing in his, go- his gospel. He, he, he's shortening the gulf for man's leap of faith as far as Jesus Christ being God. Now, he's presented his thesis. He's presented what he wants you to believe in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. So when he's writing this gospel, 
he had to sit down and the Holy Spirit impressed upon his heart that he's writing the gospel that is presenting Jesus Christ as God. And so he writes his thesis or he writes what he wants you to believe right at the beginning. And then from John chapter 119 all the way through to chapter 20, verse 29 is the proof of this thesis. He's going through and proving these things, that there is a changed life for those who believe, that there is a substance to our belief in Jesus Christ. He spoke of when Christ said that as I go, I'm going to send the helper and the reality of the Holy Spirit as he has, as he has come. And, and, and then there's just so many more things. And then in, in verses 30 and 31, we have his purpose restated. Verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs. Now when he says signs, he's speaking of, of miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in, his, in this book. Kind of makes you wonder, I wonder what they are but they're not necessary for John to write them for the purpose that he has stated at the beginning of the gospel. Verse 31, but, but these are written, the ones that are contained here are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, or again, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. God does not expect us to believe without evidence but the evidence that is offered that we have today, again, is the written Word of God. It's the past 2,000 years, really 6,000 years, and it's your changed life. And, and, and whenever doubt, and doubt does enter in, but whenever doubt enters in, just look at your life and look what God has done in your life. Maybe your life isn't exactly where you want it to be, but there's no denial that God is doing a work and has done a work in your life. And you should be able to look at that, and that should be a proof for your own heart. If you're married, the two have become one. You should be able to see that change in your spouse as well. And that all lends towards the truthfulness of what we're talking about. But John, John is giving us the word, and the word even itself is sufficient. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, you've heard the arguments, the average person speaking to somebody on the street, I want to see a vision. I want to see something. But they would more than likely believe in the vision more than they would believe in God. That doesn't really that doesn't really bring belief. Matter of fact, the visions that man received in the scriptures that were from God were to lead him to the word of God, which leads man to God. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So again, if an angel even appeared to you, it's not necessarily going to be one that is bringing truth. We see how many times you hear it on the news that the Virgin Mary has appeared in a, uh, and you can fill in the blank. That doesn't, has that ever, have you seen people fall down on their face and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? I, I never have in that. What I've seen is, is people falling on their face and basically worshiping a false god or a false idol. But I've never seen something like that bring belief. How about if they could see a miracle? Well, again, the biblical reason for a miracle is to lead somebody to God's word, which brings them to faith. Some of those who witnessed the miracles of Jesus even later on cried, crucify him, crucify him. The Bible tells me that in the church age, 
Miracles will even be used for deception and not always the truth. We see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-10. through 10. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception amongst those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They were looking for something experiential, and just the word of God. And I'm kind of preaching to the choir for people that come out here on a Thursday night. But nonetheless, we've got to stay rooted and grounded in God's word because not only is it where my belief came, it's that which is going to be able to maintain my belief and keep me strong in this present age. And we've heard all of the attacks that have come in the church with the prosperity and this false faith movements and all of these things. I've got to learn just to be content with God's truth. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 34, says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles, are speaking of unbelievers here in the context, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And as I found out by experience in my life, I, as I have believed that verse, as I have made that verse a priority, if my wife and I have any life verse, I guess that would be it. As I've made that a priority, my belief has been strengthened because God has provided for us every step of the way. Whenever my wife and I have gotten into a situation where we've got a bill or whatever it might be and we don't know how we're going to go about paying it or whatever, we always realize, hey, God's always provided. And, and, and that's one of the things that has always strengthened my faith. I'm 59, not quite 60. I'm 59, holding on to that for as long as I can. I'm 50, and for 59 years, he has provided. And you know what? I look back on that. Did he just bring me to 59 years old to drop me off the face of the earth? No, he, he's provided all the way up to that point, and I am fully confident that God is going to provide for every day of my life here on earth and then my life as I go to be with him. That's how I can stand before even a crowd of unbelievers as I pray that I do during Nora's funeral service and offer the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's that which is so real, and it's that which is so total. And I, we don't need miracles, and we don't need bells, and we don't need whistles. Is All we need is the simple preaching of God's word, because what changed your life? What was it that changed your life? I know what changed your life. If you're a born-again believer, somebody shared the word of God, and what did you do? You believed. Somewhere along the line, they presented this concept of salvation. They presented the proofs as they had it. Now, when we're doing this, we know that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the gospel is the power of God to save, but something came over your life that you understood the reality, the reality of who you were, that you were a sinner, and the reality of who God is, that he's a Savior. And it's then that you submitted your life to the Lord Jesus. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, Jesus had just spoken earlier to Thomas about blessings. Have you been a person, now as blessings have been promised to the believer, have you been a person, do you ever count your blessings? I mean, have you ever done inventory of the blessings that God has given to you? Because if you don't recognize the blessings, you're not going to be grateful for the blessings, and then you're not going to acknowledge the one who is the blessor. And so I think it's critical that we recognize where our blessings have come from, but you're not going to do that unless you truly recognize the blessing itself. And so I got a list. I got a list of blessings that every born-again believer, everybody who has believed, has received. And so just stay with me and equate them to your life. First of all, because we believe, we are blessed with the privilege of being called, in the sight of God, children of God. That you are a child of God. And, 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 and don't just think of that in vague terms. You're God's child. Now, if you're a parent, think of what somebody being your child means. That means that they have your all. And, and if we're children of God, we've got God's all. And, and that he watches over, protects us, and one day will bring us unto himself. Again, John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, to those who believe in the nature and essence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, because we believe, we are blessed with the privilege of eternal life with God. Make no mistake, everybody has eternal life. Every person that has ever been born has eternal life. Where are you going to spend that eternity? Is it going to be in the presence of God, or is it going to be in outer darkness? Now, I pointed this out earlier. I believe it was in John chapter 3. For the most part, isn't there something kind of eerie about darkness? Now, we've sealed off the skylights in this place because of plays and lighting and all of that stuff. But if you would turn the lights off right now, you could barely see your hand in front of your face. And there's just kind of a fear. And and sometimes I'll come through this door and it's dark and I got to get back there. And you're kind of walking up to the step. You're not, you know where it's at, but you're not really sure if you're there. Somebody pulled the chair out into the aisle once. I almost killed myself one day. And there's just something, though, frightful. You know, as a child and even as an adult, waking up at night, did you hear that? And you thought you heard a, a noise, but you're not. And there's just that fear. Can you imagine living for eternity in outer darkness apart from the presence of God? I mean, think of that. Eternity apart from the presence of God. The blessing that we have through belief is eternal life with God. We're spending it in, in God's glorious light. And, and again, there can, be, there can be no greater blessing. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thirdly, because we believe, we are blessed with the privilege of delivery from judgment. And see, the big part of that blessing is you're as guilty as sin. Every single one of you is as guilty as guilty can be. And then when you go and you stand, if you would go and stand before God in judgment, 
there's going to be absolutely no doubt of your guilt. Remember Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Every mouth is going to be stopped. Nobody is going to be able to offer an excuse. And so the beauty is we've been delivered from judgment. We're just as guilty as the world, but we have been declared as having paid our debt through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 5, 24, Most surely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And then fourthly, because we believe, we are blessed with the privilege of having a spiritual peace. And I'm talking about a peace with God in our life today. You know, apart from... Uh, apart from a relationship with God, you were convicted, as we've seen many times, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And, and you had absolutely, there, there was just this gnawing of your conscience in the back of your mind. I got a ticket a long time ago for, there was this in Brea, I was going down Central, I was turning right on Brea Boulevard. And there was this right-hand turn. It was sectioned off, and it had a white line. But then they kind of asphalted over it. So I kind of took that as, you can enter in there and make a left-hand turn there. The policeman didn't have the same interpretation as I did. And so he pulled me over, and he gave me a ticket. And I didn't think it was right, because that line was not solid back there. And so I went down there one day, and I took pictures and the whole thing. And I was going to go to court, and I was going to fight this thing. Didn't have time to go to court. And you know what happens when you don't show up? They put a warrant out for your arrest. And it's kind of an amazing thing to see that come in the mail and have your name on a warrant for your arrest. And so I had to get down there, had to get this taken care of. And it, now I probably could have just gotten the car at that moment, but I was busy and I kind of put it off. I didn't get arrested, so I've never been arrested. So I'm just preface this with that. But the whole time I'm out there driving, you're kind of looking over your shoulder, or at least looking in the rearview mirror. A, a police officer passes you by, and you're kind of holding your breath until he goes by, because you're not wanting to have to call your wife from the, from the jail cell and telling her to come and bail you out. And so there was absolutely no peace as I was driving the highways and byways of life with a warrant out for my, my arrest. Well, it's the same thing apart from God whether they want to admit it or not, because their conscience declares them guilty and they know of the judgment to come. And so this is the peace that we have with the Lord. In John chapter 6, verse 35, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And the idea is, is that we have found contentment because of our belief in Christ. Fifthly, because we believe we are blessed with the privilege of being part of the first resurrection. Now, the scripture speaks of two resurrections. There is the resurrection as we die and we go to be with the Lord. There's a second resurrection where the dead who are apart from Christ are going to be brought, we see this in Revelation chapter 20, brought before that white throne for judgment. But we've got this first resurrection. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's Nora. Nora has left us. She's gone. But she's in the presence of Jesus Christ. 
and you know we, that song I can only imagine but that's usually what comes to my mind not so much the song but at least I can't even imagine I can't even imagine what she's experiencing now we've prayed for Nora I don't she's probably come here for I don't know about seven years or something like that I'm not really sure and for the greatest part of that she could hardly even move because of her back she's had some very serious back issues she's got a steel rod that has been put in her back and, and she's just suffered and she dealt with the pain and all of that but Nora is one of the most joyous people that I've ever met she, she never complained and she never whined. You know, Nora, hi, Pastor Mike, how you doing? Oh, I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm doing good, and praise God. And she, you know, she was just always so happy and, and, and excited, and you know, she just had that contentment. But I can often, or I wonder now, what's it like right now? It's got to be off the chart. She's looking into the eyes of Jesus Christ, and just what a blessing that is. She's there standing next to Bernice. John chapter 11 verses 25 and 26 Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me though he may die he shall live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this I've seen this I've looked into the eyes of people and I've seen it we have a had a lady that came to our church her name was Jane and um, I've mentioned this before Jane uh, had cancer as well young lady I think she was in her 40s and her parents um, had come down, and Jane was in the hospital and wasn't looking good. They wanted me to come down and pray for her, and I did one evening. It was Sunday after service. I went down there. Monday morning, they called, and they said they're going to disconnect her from the machines, and they wanted me to come down there as, they, as, uh, as she was going to go to be with the Lord that morning. And so I got dressed real fast and drove down there and walked in, and it's kind of a thing, what do you do? You know, what do you say? You know, there's, there's her two parents and her brother and sister. And what do you say? And I was thinking that I was going down there to minister to them, but in actuality, they ministered to me. Because there they are, you know, they, they wanted me to pray, and I, I, I prayed, and then they told the nurse that they'd like to disconnect her from the machine. And the nurse was very compassionate, went and disconnected, and, and you, you know, it had the little thing, that, you know, the beep, beep, you know, for the heart monitor. And, um, and then they just... They just all held hands. I held hands with them, but I'm just kind of, almost as I'm looking at this third party, they're holding hands, and they're just praying. And really what they're doing, I mean, just an awesome privilege, they're praying their daughter into the kingdom of God. And it's just just an amazing thing. And then we heard the thing, you know, just continuous beep, which means the nurse came and says she, she's gone. And, and they're, 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 there were broken hearts there. There's no doubt about it. But at that point, all the crying had been done. And there was just joy that their daughter no longer was suffering here in this life, but was experiencing that which we can't even imagine in the next life. And we so look forward to that day of that resurrection, to be absent from the body, to be present in the Lord. Sixthly, because we believe we are blessed with the privilege of being the source of God's blessings to others. In John chapter 7, verses 38 through 39, it says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Have you ever been a blessing in somebody's life? I get to experience it here as well as we feed people, giving them a food box. I get people that call me and say, I hear you guys give food boxes, and well, yeah. Now, do I need to come down and fill anything out? No. Do you need to see any paperwork or bank statements or anything? It's like, well, no. You just give food away? 
well, yeah, you got to come down. You got to come down to one of our services, and then we'll, you know, we'll we'll give you a food box. And and they're just kind of blown away with it, and just had people that are just beside themselves sometimes because they don't have any food, and they couldn't go anywhere else to get any food. They didn't know where else to go, and somebody directed them here. Now, this is not me. I know this is us, but nonetheless, it's just such a blessing to be a blessing in somebody's life to pray for one another just to be able to 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 pray for a brother or a sister i've been blessed tremendously just people tell me hey pastor we're praying for you or somebody come up to me for a situation that's going on and just putting their hand on my shoulder and, and just praying for me and we have that ability as well and sometimes we can so easily let those times pass us by oh i just felt like the lord was telling me to pray for them be a person that is quick to prayer. Be a person that is quick to bless others. Seventhly, because we believe we are blessed with the privilege of seeing the glory of God. John eleven forty. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? As far as the glory of God, I've seen the glory of God. You know, people that, I, that I've seen receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior people being baptized, saw the glory of God a week or two ago when we dedicated that child, saw the glory of God as I see people that are serving the Lord and people who are being faithful to God, saw the glory of God just in a blessed service or just even by myself I've seen the glory of God, not physically so much, but just those times when you know that God is present in your life and there's just that peace that surpasses understanding, that contentment in the Lord. Eighthly, because we believe we are blessed with the privilege of intercessory prayers of our Lord Jesus Christ. In John seventeen twenty, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. The Lord Jesus Christ is representing me to the Father in heaven right now. Oh, Father, that Mike's down there and he's, he's, he's speaking to his church. Just enable him. He's praying for you right now. Enable them to hear and get the message, make it applicable to their lives. And God is just working in so many different ways because Christ is always there making intercession for us. He's not just there for the, the, the hard times and the difficult times. He's there in the joyous times because the joyous times, all good things, come from him. And so as he's there and he's representing us, it's just a blessing to know that God is seated upon the throne and he's thinking of me and he's moving in my life. Now this is just a couple of, eight of them really, blessings that I pulled out of the Gospel of John. Examine your life. Learn to count your blessings because if you learn to recognize the blessings, I guarantee you they will lead you to the blesser. And so, again, Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And so this constant flow or this constant thread that is woven throughout the Gospel of John is blessings through believing. I need to be a person who believes with all of my heart. Again, verses 30 and 31 and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name now do you remember in John's gospel when John the Baptist not the apostle John but John the Baptist said that Jesus must increase and I must decrease well 
the Apostle John now, he's done a good job of that as well. I would imagine John the Baptist, the Apostle John was well aware of him saying that, and John the Apostle seems to have embraced that. John never in his gospel has put himself out there. He's always kind of taken the back seat. Why? Because you don't need to believe in John. You need to believe in Jesus. Nowhere in John's gospel does John even bring up his own name. That's why, or the reason why, is because the preacher is to be invisible and the preacher is even interchangeable. Nothing spiritual depends upon us. It's all about God. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. He chooses to work through us, but as far as who we are, well, my relationship with Christ, I'm a child of God. But as far as the salvation that is necessary to be preached to this world, I'm just simply to be a conduit of that which God has given me. It's to be the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working through the willing vessel. It's not about notoriety for any person. It's all about directing people's attention to Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle John, he understood this and he realized it. It's John's desire that the reader of this gospel would understand that this is not just a story about life, but it's the truth for life for all who believe. John was very adamant about that. The commentator James Montgomery Boyce paraphrases these two verses very well. I'm going to read out of John, and then I'm going to read his paraphrase. I'll read them one more time, verses 30 through 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so in order to give clarity, this commentator, James Montgomery Boyce, he paraphrased these verses. Look, you have been reading and studying my gospel for some time now, and you have come to the end. Have you grasped my purpose? Can it be that you have missed it after all this time? In case you have missed it, let me spell it out. Jesus did many, many things, but I have not recorded all of them. I have recorded only a part, but I have recorded that part so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life through his name. And so... John just spells it out perfectly what his purpose is. Now look at it from the perspective of John. I know this is obvious, but John really gets it. Do you really get it? Do you really get it? Are you able to throw everything out that just isn't necessary for a person's salvation? I mean, if you've got this person here and God has called you to, are you willing to empty yourself? Because you're not called to argue with that person. You're not called to debate that person. A lot of times when we start arguing, we're usually putting them down. When we debate, we're usually lifting us up. And, and so, yes, we need to give a reason for the hope that is within us, but we are to do it in a gentle-spirited way because we are representing Jesus Christ. And so as far as witnessing, as far as ministering, are you willing to empty of yourself for the purpose of God meeting that person and to be used for that purpose? It seems to me that that's what John, the Apostle John, that that's exactly what he's done here. Because the idea is, I, I, just want, I just want people to believe. And we see the magnitude to which John believed. He gave his whole, the youngest of the apostles lived the longest and gave it all to Jesus Christ. 
willing to give of his life for the purpose of Christ. They all did, but nonetheless, looking at John here, he was willing to give all for Jesus. We need to examine our lives. Are we willing to do the same? So it's not good enough just to see Christ or just to know of Christ. You must believe and you must believe with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. I think I, yeah, I have 31 up there, but uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. If we receive the witness of man, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he had testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this is life in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, John had stated his thesis, if you will, in 1 John, quite a bit different than the Gospel of John. In 1 John, the theme of 1 John is that your joy may be full. And so, who is John writing to? He's writing to the believer. In the Gospel of John, he's writing to the seeker, or he's writing to the unbeliever, that they may believe. But nonetheless, I still have to believe. And just as we get ready to close, don't let this concept get past you. Just ask this question. Do you still believe? Do you still believe to the same magnitude that you believed on the day of your salvation? Again, this light came on and you came to this reality of Christ. And you believe. see, the problem is a lot of people after that day of salvation really cease to believe, cease to believe in the promises of Christ. Cease to believe of the reality of the Lord in their life. Cease to believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit wants to do through them. Cease to believe in these, these, these realities that God has spoken, that these realities are, are to me in my Christian life. I mean, I mean do you see, when a born-again believer believes these things and is solid in these things and believes to the point that he just knows these things, it's then that you're going to see God do great things and you truly find contentment in your Christian life. And so, just as the Apostle Thomas came face to face with the risen Lord, so does everybody who hears his word. And again, Thomas, he wanted to put his hands, he said, I'm not going to believe unless I put my hands in the wound, but never do we see the wounds being handled by Thomas. Jesus just displayed himself to him, and that's all that we have been called to do. But can I effectively do that unless I believe? Belief, again, on the day of salvation, but believe every day of my life. Now, in verse 31, back in John 20, but these are written that you may believe. And the word here, believe, is in the present active subjective form. That means you must keep on believing. That means you must believe in every day of your life. That means you must renew belief every day of your life. You must revisit belief every day of your life. You must build on the belief in your life every day of your life. That means you've got to make a conscious effort in this in order to do this because it's essential for the life of the church and it's essential for your life every single day. 
It's why we read the Word of God. It's why we encourage you to get into devotions. It's why we have Bible studies for believers. You're not getting more saved every time you're here. You're already saved. It's a past tense word. But you're being built up in your Christian life. Your belief is being strengthened. In Matthew 24, 13, we're told, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Enduring belief is saving belief. It's belief that you can embrace. So many beliefs have molded us into the people that we are today, and some good, some bad, but belief in Jesus Christ will alter you to the core of who you are, and it will continue to do so. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. And that newness, that newness should be realized in your life every single day. I'll just close with this last verse, John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Father, we thank you that you have brought us into your family. We thank you, Father, that you presented the truth in a way that we were able to understand and comprehend, digest, and to receive. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that it was you who would even, Father, gave us the ability to believe. And Father, as we did not refuse you, but received you, I just pray, Father, that that belief would be built upon, that we would be strengthened through the power of your might. And so, Father, we just thank you for tonight. I just pray that we would be a people who would count our blessings. I pray, Father, as you send us out from this place, we would truly be those invisible conduits for your word. Because, again, nobody needs to believe in me. They need to believe in Christ, and they need to believe, Father, in your message. And it's through that that they would have life in your name. And so once again, we just thank you for this evening, Father. Thank you for bringing us together as family. Pray that you would strengthen us because we've come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you all stand, please? Again, you need to get men signed up for the retreat if you're going. Um, I'd never really announced it this way, and it's the way we've always done it, but we all, you're also able to bring your sons if you have sons or um, or a young man that you want to see discipled or whatever, we've always opened the door for that as well. So anyway, if you are planning on going to the retreat, we need to get you signed up because, again, we're needing to make plans and arrangements, and we need to know how to go about doing all of that. Other than that, God bless you guys. Have a great end of the week.